Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope you are doing well. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Yvonne Brandenburg, joined by the amazing Jordan Porter. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> I, I like that you're like, hey, girl. Hey. And like, I see you scrunching <laughs> your nose, like wiping off your camera. It sounded like there was a boogie on the camera or something. It- it was like super blurry on my end and look how clear it is now. Oh, it does look better actually. Yeah. You guys so can't see it. So haha. <laughs> it's prop I'm going to blame it on a dog. No, that was probably mo- most definitely me. Like the dogs don't touch my laptop. All right. All right. Kid. But I appreciate the effort. Gooby kid finger. Mm, no, unlikely. Gooby Jordan. Uh, all right. All right. I tried. I tried. Because <laughs> I, I want to say I was working on it yesterday and like I was eating, I was eating some of those sour cream and cheddar chips. And I remember my like, my trackpad got all gross too. So I'm sure. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You're like, no, no, I'm pretty sure that was me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a hundred percent me. Oh my God. That's so funny. As I am a child who just drinks Red Bull and eats sour cream and cheddar chips. Oh my God. That's so funny because like, I have like a bottle of water next to me that I refill throughout the day. Although I do have goldfish. Goldfish is one of my snacks. Like, so I did eat the healthiest, a regular, like a normal lunch today. Oh, um, before I, I haven't had it. lunch yet. I haven't had any water today. I've only had coffee, coffee, Red Bull. <laughs> Oh my God, your heart's going to explode. You're like, why am I so anxious? I don't know. I coffee, coffee, Red Bull. So I just want people to realize. So last episode, 135, was it seven o'clock this morning that we recorded it? I yeah. just gotten out of bed. So I sounded sleepy. It is now one o'clock in the afternoon because <laughs> I'm going on a road trip. So I can't, re- can't record next week. This is us with coffee, recording an episode, doing a CE, coffee, Red Bull, lunch-ish-ish things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, welcome to our world, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I think when we recorded the first one, so last week's episode, like, I was in the middle or in process of drinking my first cup of coffee. (laughs) I haven't had a coffee yet. I rolled like out I dropped in the gymnastics, and then I came back. We recorded. Then I went and got well. Then I ate lunch. Then I went and got her. Came back, had another cup of coffee, and then while we were doing the webinar, I was drinking a Red Bull. Oh my god! <laughs> Sounds like we're technicians. Woo! Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so th- we don't have a lot to catch up on, other than we did do the CE, the monthly CE for the membership today, which was super cool. Um, we talked about managing the DKA patient and we had, we had quite a few people there, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and then next month we're doing it on Saturday, the 10th. So September 10th, and we're going to talk about Addison's, which is also a really cool subject. So that'll be next month. Um, if you're in the membership, so internal medicine for vet techs membership, 
Um, you can always join us for our monthly CE. It's free for you guys. If you're not in a membership, you are still welcome to join. And it is race approved CE. Um, you could just sign up. And if you um, join the newsletter, we'll, we'll send you emails about it as well. So um, know that uh, we'll, if you go to internal medicine for vettechs.com, we have information about our CEs and stuff there, but yeah, but that was, that was today. That was fun. Um, and now, you know, we're going to switch gears and talk about feline coronavirus. Oh yeah. We um, are. is there anything we need to talk about before we dive into the episode? Mm, no. I'm trying to think of what else is happening. I don't know. I'll, nothing. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen, but. <laughs> so this episode um we originally were like oh yeah feline canine coronavirus and then as i got into the research aspect of doing notes for this episode i realized nope nope these are gonna be separate <laughs> like i think we always do that we're like we're gonna do both of them at the same time yeah and then we start researching and we're like mm, that's not gonna work <laughs> not a good idea yeah so we're going to talk about feline coronavirus, um, also known as feline enteric coronavirus. We'll kind of touch on canine corona, um, but they're really, there's the enteric and there's the respiratory and they're, they're different enough that it didn't really fit as well with this conversation, but we'll touch on it in a couple of spots. So yeah. So yeah corona and it was very difficult to find veterinary related corona topics <laughs> when you google because all of a sudden everybody's talking about covid and i'm like i don't care about covid right now in this yeah, conversation it's all the links that are can my cat get covid <sighs> yeah sends you to cdc and avma and stuff like that it's... and the answer is yes but it's unlikely yeah yeah Although your cat probably had. <laughs> I know it's bull. Well, it's cause he was immune compromised. So, but he was classic for what cats do, which is they feel crappy for a week and then they're fine, which is exactly I how he did. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, we're not talking about the COVID we're talking about feline coronavirus. The um, coronavirus. The, the OG <laughs> Corona. <laughs> so this is the F E C V. That is how it is, or FCOV, um, depending on kind of where <laughs> where you're seeing it abbreviated. Um, it is a coronavirus, so it you know most coronaviruses are related to each other, um, just because they're a type of coronavirus, right? So when we're talking about the the coronavirus that we'll be talking about in this episode, it's the feline enteric coronavirus. It is enveloped, so it does have an outer envelope. It is a single-stranded RNA virus. It is highly prevalent throughout the world in domestic cats. I know when I talk to clients, I usually say pretty much every animal has been exposed or every cat has been exposed to corona. Um, and most of our patients are subclinical, so we never really see any clinical signs of the infection. Um, if you do, typically it's just like this transient mild GI illness in kittens. So 
If I saw this in a kitten, I'd probably be like, oh, they ate something they weren't supposed to. They have the poops. Like that's you transition to diet around the same time. And you're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's usually very boring, very mild, no big deal. What and happens like though? Topics we've talked about, right? That's kind of refreshing. Parvo, die, yeah. Parvo, <laughs> die. Um, versus, like, if you do have the mutation of the enteric coronavirus, that is kind of when we're talking about feline infectious peritonitis. So, FIP um, is related to the enteric coronavirus. I'll touch on it a smidge throughout this, but I, but we, Jordan and I were kind of talking about this before we recorded. Um, FIP is probably going to be its own episode because there's just so much stuff kind of around it, but this is like, because FIP is a mutation of FECV coronavirus. I'm just going to call it feeling coronavirus because it is a mutation of it. You know, it, it, it's good to probably listen to this one first and then the FIP episode. So Which um, the FIP episode will be interesting because I haven't dealt with an FIP case in years. And now there's all these new like antiviral. Yeah. For it that like, I don't know anything about. So that'll be an interesting episode. I've had a couple of pets or patients that we've actually kind of helped with those. So, um, cause I'm close to uh, UC Davis where they're doing some trials. So yeah. Um, but uh, so FIP is a mutation of the coronavirus and it FIP is highly fatal multi-systemic disease. Um, some of the trials that are, the yeah, <laughs> yeah some of the trials that are in there, like it's, it's really cool. We're actually seeing like a really good response. So it's, it, it'll be a really interesting to talk about it in its own episode. Um, I did completely random, but this got me thinking Uh about like the FIP trials. This is a human thing that I learned recently that they're doing these studies on SIDS kids that like they've discovered recently that like sudden infant death syndrome SIDS Mm -hmm. kids. Okay. Because are you impressed that I even knew that? I don't have a kid and I knew that. I am impressed. But like (laughs) as a mom, like, of course I was obsessed with it when like the kids were babies. Right. But like, I've learned recently that they've discovered that they think it might be caused due to a lack of hormone in the body that does stimulate you to wake up when you stop breathing. Oh, interesting. And so like if they can confirm it and like they can, supplement? They can potentially treat it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It yeah, is kind of crazy. Like it's kind of crazy when they figure stuff like that out that is like, oh, here's an easy treatment. <laughs> you know, like, oh, here you go. Like, you know, bacterial infections. Here's an antibiotic. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. Um, so just just kind of as a reference to, we'll put it in the show notes, but um the two well, the two main pages or websites that I used for a lot of these notes. One was obviously Cornell University, because Jordan and I love Cornell. <laughs> like I feel like their website's one of the the better websites out there. Um, so there was a because um, they do some of the testing, so we uh, they have some information on their website about coronavirus, and then also uh, just the Merck Veterinary Manual. So um, of course, you know, I'll put the link in, but I feel like just making sure people know it's most of where I got the information. 
um, and a couple other little random um, research papers, but those are the two big ones. Um, so one of the interesting things that they talked about at Cornell, because this is, um, this is part of like their testing is um, there's a thought process that if you have a cat population where the coronavirus just kind of keeps getting back passed back and forth that that increases the chance of a virulent fip strain kind of emerging um which makes sense because it's like you know the strongest survive kind of thing um so the strongest virus survives to make the crazy viruses um they don't, we still don't really understand FIP, um, but um, if we can detect and remove persistently infected and shedding cats in a multi-household, that can reduce the risk of FIP popping up in that population. Um, and we'll talk about how to kind of monitor for um, uh, coronavirus, like uh, shedding kind of i didn't even realize this so it was kind of cool um so again most of our feline coronavirus patients are subclinical transient infections in kittens um interestingly there are some cats that can shed the virus indefinitely of course there are kids like, cats are just evil that why? way we're gonna make sure it always exists yeah so, um, and they think that that's part of the reason why this FIP kind of happens. So um, it, it basically what they think is this like indefinite shedding and the mutation happens because it infects macrophages in the patients and that mute is what kind of mutates it. Um, and the infection of coronavirus is done by a fecal PCR. Again, mm -hmm. most of our patients aren't going to require treatment, supportive care. Well, um, and like, ultimately, like by the time we get that test back, I know we're like, they're going to be on the upswing. <laughs> like, hopefully, right? Most um, of the time they are. Like if yeah. we do suspect it and we like test for it and then we're like, oh crap, <laughs> unintended. Then, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's very, very, very uncommon for a coronavirus cat to actually die from the gastroenteritis again it's mild transient no big deal usually um so that's just kind of one of those interesting interesting things um some more interesting info that i found in a research paper about coronavirus is so coronaviruses in general are large enveloped so um, they have the envelope positive stranded rna viruses um there have been three different ones identified in dogs. Um, the COV type one, two, um, and then there's another one that they kind of recognized that actually may be related to feline coronavirus. So um, I, I think we kind of talked about it with Parvo. <laughs> the way you know we can test for parvos because it came from dogs similar idea is we're thinking that the feline coronavirus actually came from dogs which kind of makes sense honestly that it's not so virulent in cats because it 
I think cats were a secondary host and not um, a primary, so it's not as virulent. Um, and then in cats, the feline coronavirus, there's type one and type two. Um, type two was interesting. Um, that one, that one, when they looked at it, like for DNA and, or not DNA, RNA, um, they saw that it was feline type one and canine type two kind of mixed together to create this feline type two. So it's, it's a combination of the canine and the feline Corona. Um, and so it, it it's, it's interesting that that happens. Corona type one is more, um, similar to feline type one than coronavirus type two. So coronavirus type or excuse me, canine coronavirus type two is less similar to the feline version than the type one. So, which is crazy. There's, there's some other genes and genomes that, that kind of, they're thinking that, um, FIP is caused by variants, um, in, in some of the genes and the, the feel, um, FCOV genome which is it's just interesting i think i think the cool part is like there is more research being done on fip um so more information's coming out and especially with like the research being done on treatment i think we're just gonna see we're gonna see things come up soon that i think is gonna make it better for treating so anyways that's the weird interesting information that's researchy so fecal shedding dun, dun, dun. speaking of no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy it, oh god so feline coronavirus starts shedding within a week of the initial infection and can persist in high levels for two to ten months that's right ladies and gentlemen and high levels for two to 10 months and at a lower level for an extended period of up to 24 months. So you're looking right. at like three years of just shedding this virus. And this is why almost every cat has been exposed to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, it, and it's potentially intermittent. So that's one of the reasons why if you get a negative test, it doesn't guarantee that they aren't infected which is super cool um and there's up to or well no sorry they say at least at least 13 percent of infected cats will shed the virus indefinitely yep so it kind of makes me think of like the herpes virus in cats yeah. you know that's what i was thinking yeah it's like you got it for life like and and it makes sense that this would be something that mutates because if you've got something forever in your system, the likelihood it's going to mutate is, is much higher. You know what I mean? Like it's just anyways, yay viruses. We hate viruses. I'm over viruses. Like honestly, oh, after the last two years, I'm just over viruses. <laughs> I know. God. 
So um, the way cats become infected is through ingestion or inhalation of virus-containing feces or through um, contact to fomites. So litter boxes, grooming, housing, personnel, if we're not changing, you know, gowns and gloves, we're spreading it. Um, it is pretty fragile, though. It's It's easy to kill it. Um, because it's just a single envelope. It's not crazy. Um, but it can survive in dry environments for up to seven weeks. So like a litter box, right? Or outside in the dirt. Um, if we have close contact between cats, so multi-cat household, catteries, um, multiple backyard cats, you can definitely see transmission of it. Um, there is also transmission that happens from infected queens to kittens. Um, and kittens, if they're infected, tend to not start shedding until they're about nine to 10 weeks of old, of age. Um, but they've seen it as early as four weeks. And then it's like, good Lord, no viruses. Um, they do see some of the virus actually, um, start replicating in the oropharyngeal space and you can have virus shedding for several hours to days in the saliva. So grooming. Okay. Um, I, I just, it kills me. It kills me that this is a thing. Um, they can also, um, the virus itself can also infect the epithelial cells of the villi and the intestines. And this can cause issues with absorption by causing destruction of some of those villi. So this could be a cat that has chronic GI issues because of the destruction. So not only could they shut it for three years, they can have GI issues for life. This is why viruses suck. Viruses do suck. They're almost as bad as parasites. So kind of when we're talking to our clients to get um, history, uh, it's, you know, did we see some mild self-limiting gastroenteritis? Um, sometimes we can see vomiting and diarrhea, um, that is either acute and severe or kind of chronic and not really, it doesn't really respond to treatment. And I think that's because we've got some potential damage to the intestines that's happening. Um, but we can also see some upper respiratory issues with kittens. Um, again, cause we've got the saliva and all that fun stuff involving kittens, um, as far as species and obviously breed is species is cat breed can be any, um, typically we'll see it in younger kittens compared to older kittens, anything immune compromised, we can have issues. Um, and we just, if we're talking about FIP, we have no idea like what causes it to be that. Um, but again, you know, think multi-cat houses, catteries, that kind of thing. <sighs> um, as far as differential diagnosis, 
you're you're looking at any of the GI stuff. So, you know, did the kitten eat something it wasn't supposed to? Um, like Jordan said, you know, did we switch diets? Um, you know, so any of those GI parasites we're we're gonna look at. Um if it's respiratory, you know, we're gonna see is it, is it herpes, is it some other upper respiratory infection? Um, so, you know, we've got a couple of different things that are considered for our differential diagnosis. As far as like lab work, of course, we're going to do our full like internal medicine special. So, you know, labs, um, we'll do a fecal screening because again, like any kittens, puppies, anything like that, we want to make sure we don't have concurrent disease. So intestinal parasites, all that fun, fun stuff, probably just deworm them to be safe. Like we do most kittens. Um, there's not really imaging or anything else that is specific for Corona. Um, this, the specific test for Corona is a fecal test. Uh, um, it is a PCR test. Um, Cornell university talked about when submitting these samples, <laughs> because Again, intermittent shedding, length of shedding, all that fun business. Um, it's important to positively identify whose poop is whose. So making sure our fecal sample, we know who it's coming from. Because they say that mixing the samples could potentially make an inaccurate result. Um, I'm not exactly sh sure how that works, but I guess like if you get the poo sample that has no virus in it, it could be like, oh, there's no virus. So try to keep them separated. Um, no, too, too young for that, Jordan. Yeah, too young for that. Must be. Say it again. You gotta keep them separated. No. What's that from? It's a song from the 90s. Anyway. I mean, like, I know 90s songs, but like, I'm not going to go further into it because then it's like royalties and we can't afford that, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till we're not recording anymore and then, then I'll sing it to you. Then you'll educate me on something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the people that know the song right now are just like, yes, and they're singing it in their head, maybe even out loud. But anyways, um, the other thing about the fecal PCR tests um, that Cornell was suggesting is really um, taking it with a grain of salt and interpreting it very cautiously. Because again, cats can shed intermittently um, or if they're recently infected and they're not shedding at all yet, we could get positive or negative results. <sighs> so it's frustrating. Um, if you are trying to identify a chronic shedding carrier, they should have, um, multiple tests over an eight month period that are positive. Um, a cat that is, that's tests negative on monthly tests. That's right. Once a month over a five month period of time can be considered a non-shedder. Hmm. Five months. Yeah. Once a month for five months. Those fecal PCRs are not cheap. No, they're not. <laughs> I don't know anyone who has followed this protocol. 
well, again, it kind of goes back to one of those things where it's like, by the time we get the result, like they're already better. And what, what pet parent, like we can hardly get pet parents to continue medications once pets have improved, yeah. let alone continue checking a poop sample when the cat's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think like for me, like this is that like responsible cattery person, but then again, like that is so many cats, right? Like I just, anyways, that is how to know if they're a long-term shutter or not. So, which is crazy. Um, if we're suspecting FIP from a, a patient, um, this can be done on fluid, plasma, all that fun stuff. We'll talk about that more in depth in an FIP episode. Um, but it is a little bit different than um our our fecal PCRs. Um and again, it may or may not show up in the fecal PCR for an FIP cat. So there's that. This is the other thing is if you do um, the Corona PCR, um, if you have a clinically normal cat, then that means coronavirus, not FIP because yeah, anyways, kind of interesting. Um, as far as like ho- hospitalization and treatment, Again, most of these are so mild. Um, it's just symptomatic treatment. Um, if for some, like, especially if it's a little cat, like if it's a kitten and maybe they had some vomiting and diarrhea, we might need to do some fluid resuscitation or like oral electrolytes, maybe some antiemetics, but typically it's very minimal treatment. Some cats don't even require treatment. Um, some cats, it's like, yep, that's what it was. Cool. (laughs) Um, and for coronavirus specifically, there is no antiviral therapy, um, for Corona. Um, so there's that. The big part of coronavirus is going to be prevention and just like dealing with potential of spread of it. So this is where having that, that, you know, client communication is going to be huge, Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they have multi-cats in the household or, mm-hmm. you know, cattery, or um, if you're working in a shelter situation, right? Like that's where you're going to deal with this or rescue, especially rescue organizations. Like, I mean, also huge. to probably feral cat colonies. And yeah. Yeah. You know. Yep. So we want to make sure that if, you know, we want to minimize the virus contaminated fecal particles to be ingested. So, um, you know, cleaning out litter boxes daily, um, making sure we have enough litter boxes, weekly litter box disinfection, um, Mm -hmm. clipping and cleaning, like doing the little sandy cut for long hair cats. Cause again, the grooming aspect of it, and remember that this can survive for up to seven weeks under dry conditions indoors um it, but it can be inactivated by most of our commercial disinfectants which is really nice um ideally cats should be housed in small closed groups so three to four cats oh um, at most 
Stop. <laughs> I know. Well, but I this is like, like I don't have ten dogs, but like, I know. But I mean, I get it. Like this is like to help prevent like cross contamination. So especially like in rescue organizations, like really you shouldn't have a ton of cats all together, right? So room cages bedding litter boxes should be disinfected between the groups you really shouldn't be just like spreading it all around um again not practical in a shelter situation <laughs> so um sometimes we do have to house cats together depending like based on their pcr status so that's just something to kind of keep in mind um <laughs> in catteries if you have seropositive cats, they should only be mated to other seropositive cats and seronegative to cats to seronegative cats, which is crazy to me. Um, seropos or kittens born from a seropositive um, mating are typically protected by from infection um, up until about six weeks of age. So then, you know, we just have to to understand that and potentially, you know, start vaccinating them a little bit earlier. Um, if you've got new cats that are being introduced into a cattery or breed breeding program, you really want to make sure we test them and, and make sure to keep like zero negative and zero positive cats separated. Um, ideally there is a quarantine period between them as well. Um, so for the vaccine, there's an intranasal, um, feeling coronavirus um if you've got a seronegative cat that is older than 16 weeks old and you've got some corona in your environment um it doesn't guarantee so the vaccine oh this is crazy the vaccine doesn't guarantee them from mutating into FIP. So if they've been exposed to coronavirus prior to the vaccination, it doesn't completely mean that they won't get FIP. It's very crazy. Good times. Good times. I know. I'm like, oh God, okay. So anyways, um I think that I think the moral of the story for prevention is don't have too many cats yep. <laughs> as i look around my house um, and i was like my she shack has too many cats in it um proper hygiene cleaning your litter boxes and proper yeah. vaccination yeah exactly and just being smart about it um understanding that you know, and unfortunately it can happen, especially, you know, when we're talking about rescue and shelter situations, just trying to be mindful and keeping, you know, groups of animals away from each other and disinfecting in between and, you know, making sure you're washing your hands, making sure you're, you're, you're doing your best to prevent the virus from spreading. Um, just like with all viruses. I mean, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So cautions, I would say, is just understand if you've got a cat with coronavirus, um, that it is possible to shed for the rest of its life, kind of intermittently. Um, and, it, and, you know, it may not be a problem. 
but if you've got some that are kind of passing it back and forth, if you've got a lot of cats, you know, you, you just have to be aware that you could potentially have a mutation that happens eventually. So anyways, that's my caution for Corona because Corona is a stupid virus. It's the tip of the week. Don't have a million cats. Don't have a million cats. Also don't have a million dogs. Um, I didn't ask for my millions of dogs. <laughs> no, I was just... trying to do a good deed. <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished, Jordan. Just like uh, no dog is free. <laughs> oh God, no cat is free either. Um, yeah, so tip of the week is... <laughs> don't be like Jordan. Don't be like Jordan. I would say just disinfecting and just trying to make sure good hygiene. I mean, that honestly, like most of our diseases, like good hygiene and vaccination if appropriate are going to prevent a lot of diseases and i think we kind of all know that but remembering that and now for the question of the week can someone who's smarter than me tell me if this virus can mutate into fip past kittenhood like can it happen to like an eight-year-old Ooh. yeah it's weird it didn't actually talk about age well we were well maybe that'll we'll find that out in our fip episode that's true <laughs> we didn't do that this time yeah so um but yeah um merck manual cornell university um yeah so <sighs> yeah this one made me go oh all right i see parasites and viruses just it's not they're gonna rule the world someday uh it already is <laughs> it's true actually really good point huh like between COVID <sighs> and monkeypox and who knows what else is out Seriously. there Seriously, all of it so. like you remember when it was aids like it's been big it's been a big thing <laughs> that's true viruses have kind of been the problem the whole time Polio uh, was yeah ah viruses Viruses are parasites just in bacteria form. Anyway. This is when like my like hypochondria like starts like ratcheting up and then I start going, I'm never leaving anything. And then I look at my house and I'm like, oh my God, I have cats in it. I'm going to die. Remember when we had the conversation, you know, the last episode where we're Mm -hmm. like, We've kind of done it to ourselves because we're not allowing our immune systems to build up these tolerances to things like this. So this is, so you're telling me I, I'm okay having my cats in the house because it's helping me build a tolerance to the exactly. world. Yes. Mm. Okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to our crazy conversation about Corona. Um, hopefully you learned something because I know I did every time every time i learn stuff um and we'll see you next week but for you but for us it'll be a couple weeks <laughs> so you know all right guys thanks so much for listening and we will talk at you later bye, bye guys Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. 
If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.